episode 12 was dubbed Peak Cranky Millennial on Twitter by a listener. That's fair. Millennials also have this saying they like to spout, the struggle is real. We need to talk about the struggle. Everyone's struggle is specific to them. Maybe your struggle is learning to love and accept a family member who looks or feels differently than you do. Maybe it's accepting that your family is toxic or abusive and you need to pull back from them for your own sake and build a new family. Maybe your struggle is accepting that implicit bias exists. Maybe it's working against implicit bias in your own life. It's work and it should be work. It should be a struggle to do these things. One of the things I'm struggling with is a podcast episode that I conceived of months ago, very early in this whole process of coming up with a podcast. At the time, I thought of it as a sort of mock PSA, a friendly neighborhood white person letting the greater white person community know that we, in aggregate, have been doing a small thing that needed a perspective change to really change it and probably stop the practice. Every time I have tried to make this episode work, I listen to it as I'm editing and I realize that I do not want to release it. It's stilted. My voice is very uncomfortable as though even as I'm speaking, I know it's not what I want or mean to say, but that doesn't mean I have given up on this episode. I'm still struggling with it. I'm struggling to do the work that I, as a privileged white, cisgender, vaguely heterosexual, conventionally attractive, and conventionally embodied female from a mostly middle-class upbringing who uses she as a pronoun and is a feminist needs to do. I need to do this work. There is a lot of history I need to rewrite in my brain to reflect the intersectional truth of real events. There are a lot of cultural markers I need to debunk as preferable and others I need to accept as equal and work to understand. I need to work at listening to others and believing their experiences. This list is endless because I have been lucky to see my likeness constantly reflected back at me in the world I inhabit. Go to history class and it is about my ancestors, about my religion. Go to the museum and the people in the paintings look like me. And on TV and in the movies and the paper and the advertisements and on and on and on. I have a lot to struggle against if I'm going to get away from the assumptions my brain makes because this is the world it has perceived my whole life. I can't say what things will help you in your struggle, your struggles, whatever they are. But I will tell you some of the things that I have been doing to help me in my struggle against implicit bias and to have a more complete view of humanity. Both of these things stem from some research about implicit bias, which I first really learned in Malcolm Gladwell's Blink. In the book, he discussed a study where tests showed that not only whites, but most people of color have a notable bias for associating white people with positive attributes and black people with negative attributes. There are tons of these tests and studies still going on. I'll Link some in the show notes. During the Olympics, the scores for associating people of color with positive attributes went way up. Presumably because every day on television, people were watching POCs be reported on positively and achieve laudable accomplishments. And I'm putting aside here the benevolent racism, which we'll talk about later in another episode. So the two things that I'm doing acknowledging that this is a thing are one, stop grabbing your bag and smile. Let me explain. I have lived in some pretty big cities with some pretty big crime numbers and people who haven't done this, you know, live in big cities with big crime numbers, like to tell me to hold on to my crossbody bag strap with both hands and glare at people as I walk down the street to keep from getting robbed. There are several problems here, but as research and personal anecdotes have shown, people of color are treated to an oh crap and possessions clutch on sidewalks a lot. This sense 
sends the message to them and to the person doing the fear grab that people of color are dangerous. It reinforces the stereotype that the nightly news and the prison system have been shoving in our faces for well over 100 years. If you don't understand how it can be for well over 100 years, you should check out the documentary from a long time ago, Slavery by Any Other Name. I'll link it in the show notes. It's, I believe, free on PBS. There's another more recent one that talks about how the prison system is just still a way of keeping enslavement of people of color a thing in the United States, even though it's not supposed to be a thing anymore. So to combat this, in my mind, I try to walk with my hands loose or in my pockets consistently rather than moving them around, giving the impression that I'm nervous about my bag or my cell phone being taken. Also, I smile. There's some things going on here. Life as a woman who leaves the house can be stressful because of the ever-present street aggressions, micro or otherwise. There's nothing like walking down the street, having a terrible day, or just not even realizing that your face isn't in a smile because it's just your face. And having somebody be like, smile, baby, can't be that bad. Like, my smile is really none of your business. My day is none of your business. Leave me alone. And they can be way, way worse than that. I'm not trying to say you should smile at strangers because they deserve to see smiling faces. No. You should smile or think a positive word when walking past a person of color on the sidewalk or in a hallway to change the association of your brain from negative and fearful to positive or neutral. The second thing that I do, pump up your feed scroll. Another way to get your brain to see people who don't look like you more positively is to make sure that you are including those voices and faces in your feed scrolling. For instance, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, even Pinterest and Tumblr have endless scrolling. And if every single image you scroll by looks just like you or reinforces stereotypes about people who don't look like you, you're not going to grow. So for me, as a white cisgender woman, I try to find people who are saying or doing something awesome and add them. I'm not a big social media person in general. If you've checked out the teaspoon handle, you know that I usually post just for the Sunday update and maybe like a few things once or twice a week. But I do look for a wide range of other voices for me to see as I scroll through. For instance, I heard Jessamine Stanley on Unladylike, and I'll link the episode in the show notes. I went to add her to my media because she's a woman who is of African and American descent and full-figured and not apologizing for doing yoga in a body society does not think should be doing yoga. I mean, think of who's usually doing yoga. Thin white women. I recently went to an event here in Baltimore that showcased artists of color and their work as a living vigil for Freddie Gray in the wake of the uprising. Do not call it a riot. The news sorely misrepresented the entire thing. And if you really want to listen and believe the voices of the people who were present at that thing, you need to stop calling it a riot. I took the program from that event and my phone after it was over and tried to find the artists that I'd loved on different media and follow them. I do this, not just people who are not like me, meaning not white, but also for people who are not cis like me or heterosexual like me, people whose culture and religion are different than mine because there are more implicitly biased messages that my brain has absorbed than just racism. And I don't want to be any of those things. And it is really, really not enough to just say, well, I'm not a neo-Nazi, so I'm not anti-Semitic. You still say anti-Semitic things. You still make anti-Semitic assumptions. If you ever say like, 
Jewed down the price, like that's anti Semitic. You're just assuming that Jews haggle to get the lowest price possible. Whether or not it's a fair price, that's not okay. And you can't just say, well, I don't call people or things gay pejoratively, so I'm not homophobic. Do you allow other people to call people or things gay pejoratively in your presence? Do you sometimes look at a male who's speaking with his hands and think, ooh, that one's limp wristed? Because that's not okay. By doing these two things that I'm doing, I'm stopping the voices in my head that tell me to be scared as a judgment about others. I see people of color whom I don't personally know as less of an unconscious threat, which means I treat these strangers on the street more like people and less like evil villains. I don't know if the strangers that I pass can tell what I'm doing, but I can. I catch myself thinking asshole, passive aggressive, racist, and otherly biased things way less often because I'm aware enough to admit that it happens. I think these things sometimes. I wish it didn't and sometimes I don't notice that something has made it through my brain and out my mouth and is incredibly biased until somebody else points it out. But I would always rather know and work to understand why I thought that thing, why that thing came out of my mouth, why it wasn't okay for that thing to come out of my mouth and change my own mental processing rather than just say, but some of my best friends are black and bury my head in the sand. Doing that doesn't make the world better. It actually makes the systemic bias in our world and our country way, way worse. All of this work is hard and it's not a lip service kind of work. It's not like pre-calculus in high school. You can't just learn a couple of formulas and how to work some calculator buttons and forget it all when you pass the class. You have to actually permanently change who you are in the face of a constant force telling you not to, trying to change you back to who you used to be. It's a struggle. And I just, I need to say this and hope that all of you hear it. This struggle, it's worth it. It's hard and it's constant, but I need to do it. This struggle is worth it. I hope your struggle is worth it too. Thanks for listening to Urban Teaspoon. Look for me on Twitter, Instagram, and even Snapchat at Urban Teaspoon. This episode, research, written, directed, recorded, and edited by me.